So in case any of you don't know, some of you know me, some of you don't, I'm Brandy Taylor. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> and um, if you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, our ushers have Bibles, so if you'll just raise your hand, they'll be happy to give you one. And um, when you do get your Bible, if you could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And the title of my sermon today is, If Love Was an Action Figure. And I wanted to talk to you about love because love, I think that our society has confused love in a way. They think that love means it's just something that you say to somebody and then, you know, then you love each other and then that's it. But that's not what love is. Love is where you show someone that you love them every day. And we're going to read, I have the New King James Version. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And then, you know, if you skip on down to verse 8, it says that love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Basically what this scripture is saying is, is that, you know, love is something that lasts forever. And it just goes on and on. And even, you know, you could have all the knowledge and wisdom. You could have become a college graduate of Harvard or Yale. And you could have went to the best schools and done the best things. But if you can't love your neighbor, then that means nothing. And, you know, Jesus, he was like the ultimate action figure. Seriously, he was like G.I. Joe, you know. When, whenever you have, like, you know, the little G.I. Joes or something. And he was the ultimate one. He was like the action figure you just, you just had to have. And because um, when you think about it, what did Jesus do? Did he go around saying, you know, well, I'm the Lord. I'm Jesus. You know, I'm going to die on the cross for you, so you should probably give me some money. Or, you know, I really, you need to give me your house. Or you need to give me this. Or you need to give me that. Jesus went around sowing to everybody. He just gave and gave and gave. Even things in, you know, like things that, you know, he might not necessarily have had. He prayed and asked the Lord and then he gave that. And he just gave continually. And I've had to actually learn to love other people because um, another part of love is preferring a person over yourself. You know, it's like an unconditional love. And I have a sister, Jessie, and um, I love her. Just, just, you know, sometimes it's harder to love her than, you know, it is a lot of the time. Like, you know, I'm 17 and she's 15, so she can't drive herself anywhere. She can't get anywhere. So, you know, every day it's, Brandy, I want to go here. Brandy, I want to go there. Brandy, take me to the mall. Brandy, go pick up Jordan so that I can go to the mall with Jordan. Brandy, can we do this? And it's just like, no, I'm not doing it. But then I think about it, and I have to think of what Jesus would have done. Jesus would have said, yeah, sure, I'll take you here, I'll take you there. You know, it doesn't matter. I can do my stuff later. You know, you're more important, you know, because, I mean, when everything else passes away in my life, you know, besides God, you know, Jesse will still be there for me. You know, she is the most important. People are the one of the most important. 
You know, I could run to the bank tomorrow, or I could go shoe shopping tomorrow, but maybe tomorrow, you know, I won't be able to spend time with my sister, the only sister that I have. And you really need to think about that when you go, excuse me, to um, do things. Like, you know, how long does it take you to actually do something for somebody? Maybe five minutes out of your time, you know? Like, let's say I'm going to use... Let's use parents for an example, okay? Everybody in here has a parent, and if you don't, I don't know what you are. But, you know, um, so you all have one somewhere. And your parents, let's see, they probably ask you to mow the yard, or maybe they ask you to clean your room, or if you're an adult, you know, they probably don't tell you to do that anymore. But... Um, you know, they could ask you if they, you could come over. Maybe you're having Thanksgiving dinner, and they need your help cooking for Thanksgiving, you know. And you say, no, I don't think I'm going to do that because, you know, I have to do this, and I have to do this. And, you know, I was going to do this yesterday, and I didn't get to do it, so I think I'm going to do it today. So, you know, I would help you if I could, but, you know, I'm really just too busy. Wow. You're too busy to go and help the only mother that you'll ever have do something as simple as cook a turkey? You know, I mean, how long does that take? I mean, sure, turkey's cooked for a little bit, but, I mean, you could spend fellowship time with your mom. You could get to know her, you know? I mean, just because you move out doesn't mean she's gone. She's still there, you know? People are very, very, very important, and we have to remember that, you know? Just because... You think other things are important. I mean, it doesn't surpass the love that you should have for other people. And um, if you'll turn to, let's see, First John, no, not First John, just John 13, 4 through 6. Okay. It says, um, this is when Jesus was... Um, eating with the disciples. And uh, down in verse 4 it says that he rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with, with which he was girded. I don't know about you guys, but that just like totally blows me away. That's just amazing to me. The man that, you know, was perfect in every way. And he came down to earth as a man, and he got down on his hands and his knees, our Lord, our Savior, and he washed his disciples' feet. I mean, wow. I mean, what kind of love is that for somebody that can wash away all our sins and give us healing and make it available for us to go to heaven, you know, to where we don't have to go to hell anymore? I mean, how amazing is that, that he would humble himself enough, that he would show so much love and compassion for us, imperfect humans, to get down on his hands and knees and to wash, you know, probably one of the grossest places, you know, our feet. I think feet are gross, but hey. Um, but anyways, like, love is most definitely an action. I mean, the level of your commitment to someone is the level of love that you have for them. Now, you know, I know a lot of you, some of you are married, some of you aren't, you know. 
but um, you might have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you know, you probably have told them that you loved them. And you know, they said it back, or you know, they said it, and then you said it to them. Either way it happened, you know. But are you showing them that you love them? I mean, how are you expressing it to them? Are you just using those words? Because, you know, I looked up the word love in the dictionary, and it just basically means a desire or an affection of someone. And, but that's not truly what love is. Love is when you go up to someone and, you know, maybe, you're, um, maybe you know what your girlfriend's favorite thing is. You know, maybe you know that she really, really, really likes lilies or something, and you just surprise her one day. Or if you go out and you buy her her favorite pair of shoes, which that would be amazing <laughs> if you guys did that. Seriously. Or, you know, if you went out and you got your boyfriend, he was believing for, uh, I gotta think of something small. Um, <laughs> usually guys want a car, that's a little difficult. But, um, you know, maybe he wanted a guitar or something. Guitars are cool. Maybe he really, really wanted the specific one. And you went out and you bought it for him for no reason. It's not your anniversary, it's not your birthday, it's not Christmas, it's not Hanukkah, it's not whatever you celebrate. It's just because, because you love him, because you want to do something special for him, because you wanted to show him in a way that you can't show him any other way. And a lot of people have gotten confused with the fact that when you love somebody, you know, you're sitting in the back of a car, that, you know, you guys can give in to your lustful desires. I mean, lustful desire is not an action of love. That's not what love is. It's just not. You can say it's love. You can sugarcoat it and try to think it's love, but you'll just be lying to yourself. So really what love would be is for you to say, no, I really want to wait because I'm waiting for that perfect person. And, you know, if that person truly loved you, they wouldn't get upset with you. They wouldn't get mad at you because you didn't want to. They would love you anyway. And I don't care if you're 14 or... I don't care how old you are. Some of us in here are 14. Some of us in here are 20, 30, 40. It doesn't matter. This rule applies to everyone. Love is not above... I mean, nobody's above love. This action of love, nobody's above this. This is what love is. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so, now, um, let's see. Did you guys hold your place in Corinthians? I forgot to tell you that, but I wanted you to. <laughs> I forgot. Um, back here in verse 8, um, I don't know if you guys can put it up on, in the Amplified version. Um, I have it here. It says that uh, love never fails. Love never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. The word obsolete means no longer in use or out of date. So, you know, clothes and shoes and fashion and all this, all this worldly stuff that y'all see around you eventually is going to pass away. You won't be able to find it in a store anymore. That's the great thing about love. It's not found in a store. It's found in your heart. And that's what it says about love. Love never fades out. It doesn't go out of date. 
nobody's too old for love, you know? I mean, I am 17 years old, and I still go and sit on my grandmother's lap because I love her, (laughs) you know? And I mean, it's just, it's those little things that people think are so meaningless and that, you know, are just not important anymore and that, you know, they could do it tomorrow or they could do it next week or, you know, I don't have to tell them that I love them today because, you know, they'll be there tomorrow. It won't matter if I don't do it today. But it does matter. It matters every single day of how you choose to live in this action. Every single day, somebody should be able to see you walking down the street, walking in love. I mean, I know that when I walk into, you know, Walmart or if I walk into a clothing store or something, you know, you can see somebody walk by somewhere and, you know, they knock something off the shelf. And you think, oh, well, that's the clerk's job. She works here. You know, I don't have to pick that up because it's not my job to pick that up. Well, that's not showing, you know, love for that person. That's not preferring that maybe the clerk has a bunch of stuff to do today. Maybe they just got, like, a big order of something in, and she has to go put everything away before she can ever go home today. Maybe she it would make her day go a whole lot smoother if you could just pick up one thing off of the floor. And how do you think it would be for a person that was maybe standing next to you And they saw you pick that up, you know, that you didn't just walk on by it and, you know, kind of scoff as you go by, like, shh, I'm not picking it up. But (laughs) I've done that a couple times. Don't do that. (laughs) I've I've had to change. I've changed. (laughs) I pick it up now. (laughs) And, you know, it takes two seconds to just bend down, pick it up, put it on the rack, and move on. I'm not saying you have to go and categorize the rack. Just put it on the rack. So, and um, so that is one true example, you know, of showing love. Love is shown in so many different ways. It's just amazing to me. I mean, love is all around us. It just like encompasses us, you know, because when you think about it, God is love. And I mean, love is one of the greatest commandments. Down here in uh, verse 13 of chapter 13, It says, and now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. That means out of everything, out of all the faith that you can have for anything in the world, and all the hope that you can have that something might happen, all of these don't measure up to love. Love is like at the top of the list. Because like, here's God, but love is up there because God is love. So they're like one they're like together you know because god just that's all he does for us is show us love and have you guys ever noticed like when god does something for you um you know i'm not saying that y'all can't hear from the holy spirit but you know you don't hear this loud deep voice i love you you know that's not how god speaks to you god shows you actions he uses another person he's like oh jonathan go go buy this guitar and you know and um give it to danny Because, you know, he's really believing for one. And, you know, I just really like to bless him today because I love him so much. And it would make him really happy. And I just want him to have it. Or maybe Lauren is believing for this new outfit. And she's had her eye on it. But, you know, it's really expensive. And she can't buy it. So God goes over and he's like, quick, quick, Jackie, 
Jackie, go buy this outfit because Lauren really, really wants it. And, you know, I love her so much, Jackie. I mean, there's just no words to tell you how much I love Lauren. So I would really like it if you go and buy the jacket for Lauren because it would make her happy. Love is in everything. Love is all around. That's how God shows us his love is he does little things for us. And, I mean, when you get blessed with something, don't go, oh, this is nice. You know, I have two of those at home. But, you know, this one's pretty nice. I, you know, I could sew one of the other ones and keep this one. You should be jumping up and down. I don't care if it's a penny. I don't care what it is. Just jump up and down and be like, Lord, thank you so much that you showed me your love today. That you showed me how much you loved me today. That you said that you took that special time to ask that person to bless me with something because you were thinking of me today. And that's the amazing thing. God thinks of you every day. God wants to do things for you every day. Sometimes he can't, you know, because of us getting in the way. But the thing is, is he wants to. He really, really, really wants to. And, um, yeah. And, you know, one of the greatest examples of love in the Bible was in action. Did you guys know that? If you go to John 3.16. Okay, and it says... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I bet when you guys read that scripture, you didn't think that God was showing you his love every day. Even if you don't receive a blessing today, you've already received it. Because he's already shown it to you. He, he was sitting up there, and you know, you know, God saw us down on earth, and he was like... Um, when, uh, I think I can close with this, you know. This is really hard. This is like, I'm trying to get to all my points. And, um, <laughs> I understand why Brother Moore has trouble now. Um, but, uh, you know, I can imagine God, you know, he's chilling up in heaven, you know. Angels are singing, stuff like this, you know. World's going around. And uh, he's like, wow. He's like, you know, I wonder what I could do today to show all my little children how much I truly, truly, truly love them. What is the ultimate gift that I could give them? And he's thinking, and he's like, I know. I'll give them the only son that I've ever had. And I'll send him down to earth, and they can make fun of him and laugh at him, you know, and he can do all these miracles for him, you know, and then they can crucify him. And then he can go to hell for about three days, you know, take on all the disease and sickness of the world and be whipped and beaten, stabbed in the side. And then after hell, you know, he can rise and uh, he can come back to heaven, and then they can live forever with me. And Jesus was like, okay, you know, I'll do that. You know, he got a little nervous at the end, but he still went through with it. (laughs) That's the key. So I guess what I'm trying to say is God loves everybody in here. None of you are, don't think too little of yourselves or too highly of yourselves. Um, You know, that's pride. But, um... Just remember that God loves all of you. And he's showing you every single day. Every time you wake up and you take a deep breath 
and you realize when I die, I'm going to heaven. And that's when you know God loves me. Thank you guys very much. Um, this was a lot of fun. You know, I'm so excited. The Bible, getting handed that out, that was really cool. The usher standing up. Um, but, you know, I'm finished now. So I'm going to introduce to you your next speaker, which is Danny Rodriguez, a.k.a. D-Money. All right, I got to turn on my mic. Not narrow mine's already on. All right. Hold up. All right, we're good. We're good. All right, so how's everybody doing today? You guys liking it? You guys liking it? Good, good. All right, so what I'm going to talk about today is obeying your parents. Yes. All right, so I'm going to start off. Like, I really thought that when parents like lecture you and get you grounded and stuff, I just I thought they just did it like to punish you and stuff. Yeah, but I was wrong. And then yeah, everybody learns from their mistakes, you know. So I was wrong and then sometimes we gotta admit that we're wrong. So we should just like listen to them and then even though their way of approaching you is like really, really harsh, like really, really hardcore on you. You can't just like let it go in through one ear and let it out through the other. You gotta soak it in and then apply it on your everyday life. Yeah. All right, and then, so my sermon's title today is, it's a lot easier to obey than sacrifice. All right, so, can you guys put up the NCV version of Ephesians 6, 2, 3. Or I could just read it to you guys. <laughs> All right. It says, Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you, and you will live a long life on the earth. So I don't know about you guys, but... Who wants to live long on this earth? Get more people saved and do some more work and everything will be good, right? But yeah, so we're going to talk about that right there. So we're going to start how there's little things you could do that can help you like conquer that and not have to like lie to your parents about not doing it or just like disobeying them, period. So you can start off. For example, like at my house, I got trash duty, right? And then, like, I just moved here from Florida, and I don't really like going outside because it's, like, really cold outside. <laughs> so when I go outside, I'm just, like, in my shorts or whatever, and then I get the trash, and then I just, like, suddenly sprint outside and then sprint back in. And I don't really enjoy doing that. But 
we got to do it, you know? Because, like, if you don't do it, you're not honoring your father and your mother. And then that's, like, one of the main principles you got to follow. Then if you don't follow those, you're not walking the walk. In order to walk the walk, you got to do what the Bible says and then what Jesus is telling you. Like, if your parents ask you to do something, you should do it because God is telling your parents... Basically, God is guiding your parents to guide you and then lead you in a good path. So they lead you in a good path. And then, let's say... I got another example. Like, We started off last year, me and my friends. My friend just got a car. And then we got super excited about it. So we went, and then we decided to ditch school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we did school. And then it was four of us. We were all best friends. And then we were just all pumped up and stuff. So, like, it didn't occur to me, like, to ask my parents for permission. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't ask my mom for permission. So I'm just like all excited. We're all, everybody's pitching in for gas money. And then everybody's like inviting everybody to meet us at the beach. So we go to the beach, we get there. And then suddenly, like, I keep feeling in my heart, man, you should have told your mom. You should have told your mom. And then the Holy Spirit was right. <laughs> I should have, I should have listened to her. So we got to the beach, and then I'm like looking at my cell phone, and it's vibrating constantly. Like every five seconds. And then I'm looking at it, and in color ID, it says, Mom. <laughs> so I look at the phone, and then I know I feel in my heart that I should answer it. But I don't want to answer it, because knowing her, she'll probably tell everybody else to turn the wheel around and go back home. So I didn't answer it, and then we went to the beach. We had fun. We had one of the craziest days of our lives. We went home, and then as soon as we were dropping everybody off, we were like, all right, so we dropped everybody off, and then I was the last one. Like, I was the, the one that was blessed to be the last one. <laughs> so I went last, and then I got my house key in my pocket, and then I'm, like, trying to be as slick as I can so I could just sneak in the house and be fine, and I get in trouble. Yeah, I see you. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm trying to sneak in or whatever. And then as soon as I sneak in, like, I'm, like, basically walking like this, like Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. You know how they go like that? <laughs> so I'm just walking like that. And then suddenly my mom was, like, on the left-hand side. And then she's sitting in this chair. And then I usually know I'm in trouble when I'm in that chair. <laughs> so she was sitting in that chair. Look, I'll show you. She was, she was like this. She was just sitting in the chair like this, and then I'm like looking around like this. So when I look around, she was on my left-hand side, and I was like, I like flinched, and I was like, ah, I got caught. <laughs> so I got caught, and then I'm just sitting here, and then, you know, if there's any Spanish folks here, you know you're in trouble when your parent screams out your whole full name in Spanish. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just sitting here, hey. No, my bad. She's sitting here. And then suddenly I hear, Jose Daniel Rodriguez Cordero. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, here it goes, here it goes. <laughs> and then 
I got caught, whatever. And then, yeah, that was a life experience for me. I will never do that again. <laughs> because it's really intimidating. So, yeah, like, it's just better if you're, like, honoring your parents. Because if you honor your parents, it's a lot easier to, like, like, the verse says, you'll live a better life. Like, wouldn't it be awesome if you, like, get your curfew to, like, midnight and then not have to be, like, worried about if you're going to be late or if you're going to get grounded again? So you can do that. And then it'll be, like, perfectly fine. And then nothing will be wrong. So, and then if we're really saints of God, we will obey this commandment. And then, like, it could be at this point as watching Super Bowl Sunday. You know how everybody's like all into the Super Bowl and then they can't miss it. So it has to be just like us. We can't miss this and then we got to apply to it. So we apply to it and then we live in obedience. And then for my ending, you know that it says we're going to reap a harvest once we do our promise. Once we come complete that promise. We could do that. And then as soon as we do that, we'll reap the biggest harvest. Like Pastor Moore said, we're reapers. We're reapers. So we'll reap that. And then, even though the devil takes stuff away from us, we could take it back. We could take it back. We'll take it back. And then, to end this, John 15:10 says, I have obeyed my Father's command, and I will remain in his love. So let's all remain in his love. And then no matter what your parents say, like, if it's the stupidest thing, just do it. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's, it's, it's for good. It's for the good of it. So next time I'm taking out the garbage, I'll bring my hoodie and then some sweatpants. And then I'll still sprint back inside the house, but everything will be good. person is going to speak is the lovely Jackie Parker. So everybody give it up. Dude, it's hot out there. Hi guys, my name is Jackie Parker. I'm really excited to be up here. This is very, very cool. Um, my sermon today is going to be about happiness. And if you all Please turn to Galatians 5:22. It's hot, dude. And this is in the New King James. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and read it. Um, it says, "But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness." Self-control against such there is no law. Um, today I'm going to elaborate on the subject of joy and how we have joy in the Lord. And my title for today is called Jappiness. <laughs> let, let, let me tell you the explanation about this title. I looked up the meaning of joy and happiness, 
And they mean the exact same thing. They really do. I looked it up in the Webster's Dictionary, and they both said, a strong feeling of great happiness, delight, a state or source of, of contentment or satisfaction. They both said that. And so it really, it kind of surprised me because there's so many different verses that use both of those words. And like one verse is joy and the next is happiness, but they mean the same thing. So um, if you would, please turn with me to... Make sure with Kevin that's good. I'm not gonna bug you. And make sure with Kevin that's in my spot. And it says, "For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ as the King? For you are our glory." When I read that, I got so excited. Like last night, all the girls were together, and we're getting ready for today. And we're just like, okay, we're getting in the word. We're gonna, we're gonna know our subject so good. Just spill out of our spirit like, like that. And so we were getting so pumped, man. I was so stoked for Their happiness and our happiness has nothing alike. Like, um, like, I don't even know. It's so cool because I go to school and um, I get so happy. Like, I get excited about the smallest things. Like, I found I find like the stupidest things so funny, and I'm the only person laughing so hard. And if you know me, I snort when I laugh. And, and so in class, all of a sudden you just hear this, and you know that it's me. And I'm just laughing at my teacher for like, I don't know, maybe it was like a noise on the, on the board or something, and I'm just like, Wah! like laughing so hard. And people seriously ask me if I'm crazy at school, because I'm just walking down like, hey, hey, what's up? How are you? Are you good? I'm good. And like, they don't understand that, because... They, they find happiness in, like, the stupidest things. They find happiness in money. They find happiness in clothes and, and, and um, uh, sexual sins and stuff. And that's not cool. Like, I don't find happiness in those things. When it's from the Lord, I am as happy as I'll get out. Like, I can't, I can't contain myself. Like, when I'm blessed with something, I seriously cannot smile bigger than I can. Like, I want to smile so big, but my face can't contain the smile that I want to smile. <laughs> and so, it's, it's hard, because I want to give all the glory to him, and I just want to scream and shout and be like, Thank you, Lord, you're so awesome! And, like, just, just expound my happiness for him, and it's hard. But I do it anyways. And, um, oh, this is so cool. Um, if you would please turn with me to 
Psalm 1611. You know, like with, with joy, the Lord, He has different areas in our lives that we find joy in. There, there's his, his presence, like in this verse, in Psalm 1611. Um, this is, uh, it says, You will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy. I really like that verse, because I really like worship. And so, and, and worship, that opens the door for the presence of the Lord to just flow in and encamp around you. And in that, I get so excited. And I want to use, Miss, everyone knows Miss Susan, you know, Miss Susan. The one that stands up there and is just amazingly overjoyed with happiness and just elaborates everything that she does for him. And it's so cool because you just know that that's the joy of the Lord on her. Because his presence is on her and in this room. And that joy is just overflowing out of her. That is awesome. Oh, so cool. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just really like the fact that, that happiness and joy coincide with each other. Because it's so much easier to understand. <laughs> because I, for the longest time, thought joy and happiness were separate things. I'm like, well, what's joy? I thought joy is happiness. I thought happiness was joy. I was like, what am I doing wrong? And then all this time I was doing it right. I knew it was the same thing. And it's just so much easier to know that. It's, it's awesome. Um, like, man, there's an example. One day I remember um, my sister was leaving to, for, for college. Well, it wasn't college, but for her life. She was 20 and she was leaving to go on her life path, you know, with the Lord and follow him. And I remember that day I was so sad because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be an only child. What am I going to do? And I was like, I don't have a car. I'm 13. I was like, awkward age, awkward time, no sister. And um, so I was like, I was like, Lord, I've been going my whole life with an older sister, trying to be just like her, and always wanted to wear the same clothes and listen to the same music and like say the same words and stuff. And like, not too long ago, I was having a conversation with one of my friends, and he was like, "You know, Jackie, since your sister's moved away, you've changed so much." I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Well." I guess I probably have. I mean, she's not here, so I'm not wanting to be just like her, I guess. And then I, I went to that and I went to um, that, vo- that verse where, you know, your presence is fullness of joy. And, like, since, Je- since my sister left, I, I was trying so hard to find who I was in Christ and, and finding my confidence in him. And I found my confidence through his joy that he gave me. Because I found who I was. And it was so hard going like two years without knowing who I was. And it was just so awkward. And just it was hard. And I didn't know what I liked. And I didn't know what I disliked. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And now it just it's like a piece of cake. Because if I just, I just focus on the Lord and I listen to Him, it's right there. You have to yield it to it. That's so cool. Oh, 
No, you should, I urge you to do it, man. You young kids, like 13, 14, get in his word and find your joy in him. There you go. You got your confidence. I'm, I'm serious. You got your confidence. Oh, do it. Do it. I, yeah, it's good. Okay. Oh, so good. Um, you know, the name of Jesus is, is so powerful. Like, whenever I say it, I just say Jesus. I just put, I just like, there's just an unction in my spirit. I'm like, whoa, that's a good name. I like that. And there's just that, 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 um, that joy in it. And it, it, it just exuberates out of his name. Just like that. Like, if, if, if I'm ever going through something and I'm just like, I do not feel good today. I just, I'm not happy. I don't want to look at people. I don't want to deal with people. I was like, I'm just not in a good mood. And I just know I'm supposed to say the name of Jesus. Jesus. What am I here for? I'm here for Jesus. What is my purpose here? I'm here for Jesus. What do I want to be like? I want to be like Jesus. And that just builds and builds and builds inside of me. And I'm just like, I'm here for Jesus. And I'm going to go out to school and I'm going to be a light for Jesus. And I'm going to live like Jesus lived here on earth. It's... That joy is the best joy you could ever experience. There's nothing like his joy. Okay, there's this, there's this verse in Nehemiah 8.10. If you would please turn with me to it. And I'm going to go to the last part of the verse. It says, Do not sorrow... For the joy of the Lord is your strength. That verse is awesome. Because we go through so much here on earth that it is easy to get down and get into sorrow about stuff. But that joy is our strength and can lift us up out of that state. And we can, we can conquer that. We can conquer the enemy because he's already under our feet. We've already conquered him. It's just a state of keeping it that way. So, with that verse, just stay in the Lord. Follow the Lord. Keep in His joy. And you have it. You are winning. You are overtaking the enemy. You are overtaking that sin. You are overtaking all those things that your, your flesh wants to yield to. But you're like, no. I'm in the joy of the Lord. That is my strength. I'm not going to be like you. It's good stuff. And, and to end this, I, I, just, I really urge you to keep in that joy and just think of everything you, you can that the Lord has done for you and be like, Lord, you're awesome. Like, like Brady was talking about, love. Love. He gives us those blessings from his love and we need, to, we need to give him back that glory through our joy. Through saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. You're so good to me, Father. That is joy. And you're giving him back that glory. You're giving him that honor that he is giving to you because he loves you. 
So I really urge you to keep that joy up. Do, any, do everything possible that you can to keep that joy as strong as you can. Because Jesus loves you. Thank you. speaker we have is Miss Jessie Taylor. So here she goes. Okay, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Okay. To uh, start off, I'd like to start off with the scripture. Um, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, the uh, amplified version. And it says, Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and diseases, and carried our sorrows and pain of punish- pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God, as if with leprosy. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisements needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him, and with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. And that's a very, I really like that scripture. Oh, there's a lot of people. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> um, I really like that scripture because it says so much in it. It's not just talking about healing. It's talking about everything. He took everything upon himself. And the title of my sermon is Put It Down and Walk Away. And you know, it's just the fact that so many people like, you know, think, you know, how like when they do something wrong, a lot of people think, well, you know, wow, I did so bad and they think about it, you know, every day and I did so bad and I was, you know, I can't believe I did that. But, you know, if you repent, it's it's no longer yours. And it says here, you will be healed and made whole. Made whole isn't just a body. It's not you will be, you know, physically healthy. It's you will be made whole. That's body, mind, spirit. That's everything. And you aren't happy like the joy. You can't have that joy if you are in guilt. You, if you're guilty, you can't have the joy that you're supposed to have in the Lord. And, <laughs> and, um, uh, I'd like you to go to 1 John 1 9, please. And, um, okay. It says, If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins, dismiss our lawlessness, and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything not in conformity to his will and purpose, thought and action. And that's exactly what it's saying. He will forgive you. It does it it's a promise that he says he will forgive you. All of his word is a promise. 
not a lot of people know that. They think it's just his word, but it says that, you know, well, he's saying that, but it doesn't mean he has to do it. His word is a promise. If he says he forgives you, if you ask for forgiveness, he forgives you and it's gone. It's no longer yours. It's no longer yours to carry on. And, you know, that had been something that I'd had a lot of trouble with was I think about it. And then, you know, just recently, like a couple weeks ago, I was sitting in my room and I was thinking about all this stuff. And then I was like, you know what? No, Jesus loves me. I prayed and I said, Lord, you know, I know I did wrong, but you forgive me. And that's it's okay now. And Jesus loves me and he loves me so much that it doesn't matter anymore. And it will be okay. It will be perfectly fine. And I'd like you to go to Hebrews. What was it? <laughs> um, one second. Hebrews 10.22, the NIV. And it says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. That's, that's it right there. He who promised is faithful, and he promised. Like he said, he forgives you, and that's, that's it. That's, that's all there is. So... So, in conclusion, just put it down and keep walking. <laughs> and next up is Andrew Henry. Hi. All right. Well, I'm Andrew. Most people know my dad, organ player. So if you come up to me, you go, dude, is your dad the organ player? Yes. All right. My title is Firefighter Andrew Says Only You Can Prevent Sickness. The way I figure it is, if they can get a bear to talk about fire, you know, I can talk about how to prevent sickness. So, I figured you might as well. So, my verse is 1 Peter 2.24, which says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Okay, so when I was a kid, you know, like seven, eight, you know, little dude, I would love the idea of getting sick. I thought that sickness was, you know, some fantasy where you get to stay at home, don't have to go to school, and you get to watch TV all day. And I was like, that is awesome. I wish I could do that. And so, you know, go to school, you get to see your friends, and all of a sudden someone's not there, and you're like, oh, they're lucky they get to stay home and miss school because they're sick. And, you know, I would, I would, you know, immatureness, I would pray, Lord, please let me be sick today, you know. I, I, 
I have a math test today. I'd really like to be sick. If there's a day you'd let me do it, it'd be today. <laughs> no. Shockingly, nothing happened. I didn't know what to do. So, but I guess as time went on, you know, I started to understand that the reason I wasn't getting sick was because, you know, I had parents and a grandma that was praying for me to stay healthy. <laughs> and this, this was shocking. I was, I was like, why on earth would they do that to me? That's really selfish of them to think of only themselves because obviously they don't know what school's like or the fourth grade. The fourth grade is hard, man. I need to stay home and watch cartoons because I need a break. And they just don't understand. And so, you know, time goes on. Now I'm like nine or ten, right? Fifth, sixth grade. And one day I get sick. And I quickly realize that sickness is not full of giggles and times. Sickness is not full of TV and candy. Sickness is home coughing, sneezing, and laying in bed all day. And I was like, wow, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> so from then, I decided, you know what? I don't like being sick very much, so I don't want to get sick anymore. But you know, I was 9 to 10, so still at this time, I hadn't learned the concept completely of healing. But I had parents who knew the concept, so they basically prayed for my healing for me. But as time went on again, like, it got to the point where I started realizing that I would have to start believing for my own healing. And, you know, at first you try and you don't really know what you're doing. You're like, all right, I know the scripture says that by his stripes I am healed. So I am healed in Jesus' name. Okay, my head hurts. Mom, Dad, I'm sick. I'm sick. Come help me. But, you know... They, being parents, you know, they had to help me and stuff. So they prayed for my healing. And then, but what they did was they taught me how to pray for my own healing and that I needed to, it might not happen right away. To, you know, I won't feel better right away all the time. And that sometimes I need to give it some time and actually have faith. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, try it a couple more times. Still don't quite get the concept, but learning each more every time. And... After a little while, I start to, you know, get to the point where I don't need, you know, to call mom and dad every time I have a stomach ache. I can, you know, now pray for it because I've learned that, you know, to stand on the scriptures and be like, no, I am healed about this. And I guess that's just kind of, I get to the point now where I'm like hardly ever sick. And I like that because, I mean, I don't like school, but I don't like being sick either. So... I guess if I had to pick one, I'd pick to be, you know, going to school. <laughs> but I guess, I don't know. Very good. So I guess in conclusion, just realize that you don't need to be sick. Just use scriptures and only you can prevent sickness. Next is Zelina. Yeah, yeah.
it worked out well. It says, um, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your rewards in heaven will be very great. Children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. And when I was um, preparing my sermon, I looked up compassion, and it means sympathy for someone who is suffering or distressed in some way. When I know that it's, it's, it's very um, hard to actually like love someone who's like being mean to you or whatever, because, I mean, they're, they're just not very nice. But um, sometimes we don't know what people are going through. Sometimes they may, you know, have financial problems, or maybe sometimes they're having, you know, hard times at home. Or maybe they're just, they don't feel like anyone loves them. So it's like they're, they try to, like, shield themselves, and they feel better if they are mean to someone else. And so... Um, I have a story. Um, my mom used to work at this daycare, and there was a little boy there. His name was Sam, and he was two years old. And he, no one, no one really liked him because you know he was dirty and he always had a green runny nose and and he bit everybody <laughs> like you know and and, and 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 he would like hold on like someone would have to like pry his mouth off. And, um, and so, you know, she, the kids were napping the day and she was just like, you know, God, I, oh, I just, I don't like Sam and he's dirty and he stings and, you know, all this stuff. And, and, and so the Lord, you know, spoke to her and he, and he was like, look at Sam. And he was sleeping and she looks at Sam and she, and, and the Lord says, Sam's like that. Because of how he was raised, like he he doesn't he no one takes care of him or anything, and so the Lord she was like, well, Lord, you know what do I do with this? And He gave her an idea. So, you know, she told her boss what she would what you know she was going to do. What the Lord told her to do, and so like when Sam came in every day, she would take off his clothes, she would give him a bath, she would you know scrub him down, and she would, you know, she they had clothes there, like, you know, if a kid, like, had an accident or something. And so she would put clean clothes on, throw his clothes in the washing machine, and wash his clothes. And um, and she and then, you know, after she gave him a bath and washed his hair and everything, she would just tote him around with her, you know, and just love on him. And, like, a week or, like, a few days, he was a completely different child. He stopped biting and he he was just you know completely different and i i just i thought that was a great story because even though that you know you know you know this is a child but you know for someone that is you know mean or you know has just a mean you know personality or whatever you can you can you, you know you can ask the lord to help you love the person because you may not know what they're going through but the lord does so you can you can pray for that person too and to back that up, it says in um, from the Message Bible in Luke 6:37, it says, "Don't pick on people. 
jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. And, and you know, you will. You know, it's, it's easy to pick on someone and just be like, well, they're too short. Or, well, I don't like them because of what, you know, they do or whatever. But, you know, it's so easy to, you know, criticize somebody. But just remember to, you know, love them. And, you know, it's like, it's, it says... It says in um, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, what love is. And, you know, love is, it says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable, and it keeps no record of when it has been wronged. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So, you know, if, you know, it, sh- it shows you right here what love is. And, you know, if, if a person is being mean to you, you know, be, be patient to them. Be kind. You know, just do not, don't get irritable with them. Don't, don't get mad. Just just love on him, just love on him and you know, ask the Lord to help you. And in closing, I just want to say that um, even even though it may be hard to love on someone, God God can help you because God loves that person. And you know, if we're children of God, we shouldn't stoop down to their level and be mean to them. We should we should rise up, we should take a stand and do what we know to do what is right. So I now introduce to you Max Levinsky. Wow, it's a lot different on this side of the pulpit than... uh, Back there, slouching down your seat. Uh, like Lena said, I'm Max. And uh, first off, I'm going to read to you Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. Um, kind of a new century version, please. And it says, Brothers and sisters, think about the things that are good and worthy of praise. Think about the things that are true and honorable and right and pure and beautiful and respected. Do what you learned and received from me, what I told you and what you saw me do. And the God who gives peace will be with you. So, before I elaborate on that, uh, as you probably saw, I play guitar. I play. I also play um, drums, and I'm going to learn keyboards. And music is a very uh, important thing in my life. It's one of my greatest passions. Um, so, along with that... As many of you probably like to listen to music, I like to listen to music. Of course, there's different types of music. You got your rock, you got your hip hop, you got country, you got your electronic music, you got a lot of stuff. And um, of course, there's different instruments in all of that, but there's also in a lot of types of music lyrics that you listen to. And the title of my sermon is What Are Your Lyrics? Yeah. So, I like everyone to stop and think, what 
does the music you listen to say in your iPod headphones, in your car, in however you hear it? What does it say? What, are, what is the meaning behind it? Where, where is it going? So think about that while I'm talking. And uh, next I'm going to read Romans 12.2. Which says, Do not change yourselves to be like the people of this world, but be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you. You will know what is good and pleasing to Him and what is perfect. So, a while back, my car was in the shop. Something's wrong with it. I don't even remember. It wasn't good. But um, I work with a couple of my friends. We work at the same place. And I got a ride home from one of my friends driving in his car, and uh, he's like, okay, he's kind of got like a nasally voice, so he's sitting over here, he opens the door, he's like, hey man, check out this uh, cool new CD I just got, and I'm like, alright, cool, and I know what kind of music he listens to, it's not my thing exactly, and uh, <laughs> so we get in, and he's stoked because he's got this new system and everything, and he, just, he turns up super loud, and it's like, this heavy metal riff, and then like one cuss word, and then heavy metal riff, another cuss word, another heavy metal riff, another cuss word. And I'm sitting there like running my hands through my hair and just thinking like what – I turned it down, and he's like, what are you doing, man? And I turned it down, and I'm like, what do you get out of this, you know? I mean, what, what does this do for you? Do, you? do you stop and think like what is this saying to me? How is this affecting my life? And he's like, whoa. I guess I never did that. <laughs> I'm like, well, good thing my car's in this shop, huh, buddy? And uh, <laughs> he's and he just sat there and he like he was perplexed by it, which I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess just to some people it doesn't affect them, but it really should, and you need to be open to that type of stuff. And uh, you know, just because your friend is listening to that doesn't mean you have to listen to that. And this is, of course, just a bigger metaphor for life in general. Just because this guy does something, you don't have to do it. You don't have to listen to it. You don't have to say it. You don't have to read it. You can do what you know is right and what you want to do for God. And uh, on that, please go to Ephesians 4.23, which says, But you were taught to be made new in your hearts, to become a new person. That new person is made is made to be like God, made to be truly good and holy. And that's pretty hard to do when you're living in sin and unrighteous things in the world. And uh, it can happen like it did to my friend. Your eyes can be opened just by, just open your mouth, say something to somebody. If, you, if you're just trying to help them out, it's okay. It's not, it doesn't mean you're better than them or something. You just be a friend to them. And, um, as people in general, we need to focus on the good things of life and not the bad things. If something you don't get a good grade on a test, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. You know, uh, you get in like a little argument or something. It's not the end of the world. You need to focus on the good things and make things right and correct everything instead of always going towards the negative. And uh, just live for God. You know, God wouldn't want you to be sad and down. He'd want your jappiness, as Jackie would say. And uh, you know, I mean, 
So it's just it's good to live for God. And in conclusion, I like to ask all of you, what are your lyrics? And now I will introduce the lovely Anna Chapin. Hi, everybody. He's cute, isn't he? I think so. I think he is. I don't know. That's just me, though. Um, My name's Anna, in case you didn't catch that. And wow, there are a lot of people, and the lights are really bright, and Jessie was right. She warned me. Um, The title of what I'm going to be talking about today is Don't Pop Your Witness, which you will understand by the time I am through. Um, My verse is also Philippians 4, verses 8 through 9. It says, oh, and the NIV is what I'm reading from right now. Um, It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Um, I'd just like to point out the things that were listed in that verse. True, noble, pure, lovely, admirable, Excellent or praiseworthy. These are the things that we're supposed to think on. So um, what I'm getting at is, well, the thing that I want to talk about the most is true. The first one that's listed in the verse. Um, In Webster's Dictionary, I looked it up, true, the definition of true says, in accordance with reality or fact, not false, real, loyal, and faithful. Um, And then I looked up lie in the dictionary, and it says a false or untrue statement. Um, I have an example that just happened. I don't even remember when it was. It wasn't too long ago. Um, I went to the movies one night with Max and some other friends, and we went to go see this movie. I don't even remember what it was. And um, I was leaving the movie theater on my way home, And I think I was trying to put a new CD in my CD player or something. I wasn't paying attention. And I hit the curb. And I've hit a curb before, but I hit the curb hard. Like, my, it wasn't good. My tire, like I was driving, hit the curb. And then all of a sudden, like, my car feels kind of, like, lopsided. You know, felt kind of funny. I'm like, well, this is different. So I pull over, and I call Max. And I'm like, Max, I popped my tire. And he's like, how did it happen? And I'm like, I don't know. And of course I know. I just ran over the curb. I know how I popped my, like, I know what happened, you know. So he turns around and comes and get me. And we're, like, trying to figure out what to do. So, and I couldn't get a hold of mom and dad. They were asleep. So we end up going back to my house. They take me to my house. And I wake mom and dad up. And I'm like, mom, dad, the tire in the car, it's flat. And they're like, what? What, what happened? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I, I couldn't tell you. 
I just was driving, and then all of a sudden, the tire went flat, and there's a huge hole in the side of the tire. I don't know how it happens. I, I don't know. And they're like, well, how do you not know? Like, typically, when there's a hole in the side of your tire, you can, you know, you can kind of tell how that happened. And I'm like, I, I don't know. And so they're like, okay, well, we'll take care of it tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. So I go into the bathroom, and I'm washing my face, and I'm like... I feel sick, I feel nauseous, I feel dizzy, and I know exactly what's going on. The Holy Spirit is like, Anna, you know what happened, you ran over the curb, don't be stupid, tell your mom and dad. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm washing my face and brushing my teeth, and I know what I have to do. So I, as slowly as I possibly can, (laughs) walk back into mom and dad's room, and I open the door, and they're like, okay, what's up? I'm like, and I, I, I know, you know, you know, do you girls know, like, when you go into the bathroom and you know you're about to get upset and you make that really awful face? Like, when you're about to cry, you, you guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe you don't. Maybe it's just me. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't know. But when I was in the bathroom before I went to mom and dad's bedroom, I, like, I, you know, you just kind of, and I'm like, I know it's going to, I, yeah, I know the floodgates are about to, like, release. So... <laughs> I go into mom and dad's room and I open the door. I'm like, guys, I know what happened. And I start, of course, I start like, it's just like waterworks. It's like a show. It should be a show. There's so much, you know. Yeah, anyways. (laughs) And they're like, okay, tell us what's going on. And I'm like, I hit the curb and the tire popped. And here's the the most ironic part of this whole situation. It was really funny. I actually, after I popped my tire, I pulled into the parking lot of a tire place. Of course, they weren't open, you know, but anyways, that's just kind of a little fun fact for you. Anyways, so I get in, I I tell them what happened, and so they're like, okay, we're going to go check on the car. So they go, and they come home, and I'm like, I know I'm in trouble, you know. I lied to my parents. Like, my mom, even she even sat up in bed and was like, Anna, did you pop the tire? And I was like, no. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Anyways. But, so, um, yeah. They came home, and um, the next day they sat me down, and, you know, they're like, you know, we wouldn't have even been upset or mad if you would have just told us what happened. The reason why, which, what ended up happening is we didn't get the tire fixed for about a week, which was the longest week of my life. I had to get rides, and it was just difficult. But anyways, it doesn't matter, because I totally, you know, got what I was asking for. Um, So they sat me down, and they were like, you know, we're not even mad that you popped the tire. What we're mad about is that you lied to us. Like, we wouldn't have been upset if you would have just come into our room and been honest with us. So what I'm trying to get at is that um, when you lie, well, actually, here, let me do this. In Proverbs 19:9, it says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who pours out lies will perish. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't like the sound of that. That does not sound good. does not sound like it has a very promising end. So... Um, <laughs> What I'm trying to get at is when somebody, well, not even that, but um, lying will not go unpunished, so do yourself a favor and um, don't don't pop your witness because by lying, you're kind of breaking your witness. And, but, yeah, 
So um, don't pop your witness by lying because it's not worth it. So. Thank you. And um, coming up next to speak is Mr. David. Sweet. I, um, uh, today my, the title is that love is like, love is the center of the net and the head of the fly. So, it's pretty cool. All right. <laughs> um, but my first verse is in King James, Second Peter 1, 5 through 8. Um. And beside this, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, which translate love. And for, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall, ne- that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's pretty much saying that if you don't have all of it, you don't have none of it. <laughs> so, and I found another verse in here that was um, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these, thi- these three but the greatest of these is charity. So that means the greatest is love. And if you don't have love, it doesn't work. And that's pretty much like, uh, uh, like for an example, like say you're out there fly fishing and you've got this huge like 35-inch brown trout. And you're out there fighting him and you can't get him in. But then you've got your net and you got him right up against there and you sweep him up. And you look in your net and he's not there. And then you try to sweep him up again and he's not there and he's not there every time. Then all you've got is a big mess of line in your net because the bottom of the net is gone. The very part where you had to tie it together at the end is not there so you can't catch anything with it. So it's pretty much if you don't have the love which is the center of the net... The greatest of all, you don't have any of it at all. So, because you can have everything out there, but if you don't have love, you can't do anything, pretty much. And it's also like, I mean, just a couple months ago, um, I was blessed with a fly tying kit, and now I can tie flies. I think I said fly tying kit, but still. Or yes, I did. But still, I, actually, that's right. But um, <laughs> uh, I've also got another um, verse. But the end of all things is a, is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. Oh, that's First Peter four seven through eight. Um, be ye therefore sober and watch the prayer. Watch unto prayer and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And my last uh, 
example is that if you're tying your fly, pretty much you've got to put all the stuff on there and you've got to work all the way up to the end. And at the head, you have to uh, pretty much tie it off and cut it. And if you cut behind the knot, which I have done before, I'll just go and it's gone. And then you have to do it again. And if you keep on cut behind the knot, all you've got is a whole bunch of fur and feathers on the floor. And, and then you start getting mad and you probably throw things and then you've got more stuff on the floor so it doesn't work and so that's like if you don't have love actually that's a good example because if you don't have love you're mad and you do throw things so (laughs) yeah but okay um but it's like you can't uh, like if you're going to school, I guess like you would go up there and meet somebody and you would talk to them and try to be their friends and then once you walk away you're like oh I don't like them and <laughs> you don't love them at all or nothing like that and you walk away and they're like man what's wrong with him he's just a very bad person I don't want to be like him <laughs> and so if you don't have love you don't have anything and I guess in conclusion, if you don't have the bottom of the net, you ain't going to catch nothing. <laughs> and next up is Jeff Boone. Testing, testing. Why on? One, two, three. Oh, I'm on. Yeah, there we go. Alrighty. Hallelujah. I just think everybody's done a great job so far. <laughs> I mean, our, our use is just so full of word. Um, so anyway, the title of my message tonight, I'm going to try to get this right, Magnify the Lord diminish the problem. Does that make any of you excited? It really makes me excited. And the first scripture that we're going to turn to is Romans 12, 1 through 2. And I'm going to be reading out of the NIV tonight, or this morning. Yeah. And uh, actually, it's funny because the first time I was asked to speak, it was in front of three people on a little kid's playground. And the guy asked me to speak on this verse. So I, I just kind of thought about that. When I, Anyway, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And there's this, there's this idea of worship. And... Worship, a lot of people think that worship is just this. Where you have your hands raised up and you're like, oh, glory, hallelujah, you know. I'm a doer, I'm a doer of the word of God, you know. (laughs) And we do that 30 minutes on Sunday morning and Friday night and Wednesday night and that's it. That's worship. But according to Romans 12, 1 through 2, worship is a lifestyle. 
And the idea is 24-7 worship. How every action that you take is an act of worship to God. When that person is in need, or in the Lord comes up to you, hey, I want you to take that person out to lunch after church today. And, and you're like, okay, Lord, I'll do that. Is that an act of worship to God? Yes. Yeah. And, and, that, and that is what, that is a lifestyle. And the next verse I want us to turn to is 1 Peter 5.8. Let's see. Um, this may sound a little out of the subject, but I'll kind of tie it in here. Um... Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls along like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, everyone that is a born-again believer has what we call anointing. An anointing is like a supernatural uh, Holy Ghost gift that comes up inside of you and causes you to do things that you didn't think you could do before. And if the devil is afraid of anything, it's your anointing. He is scared to death of your anointing, and he's going to do everything in his power to stop that anointing. And, and the big question is, why is he, you know, flailing his arms and going around trying to take down your anointing and get you out of perfect worship? And the reason is, he wants to kill your anointing. And so, he brings up problems. You know, you've got the terminal disease, the sin that you can't get out of, all, all that jazz, and, um, and he has a way of making things look big and mean and unovercomable. unovercomable. I don't even think that's a word. <laughs> and here's what he does. Now, look up on the screen. It's me. And up there, especially when you're zoomed in, I look like a really big person. Okay. And you're looking up there, and somebody might be up sitting on the balcony, can't even see me. They're like, oh, look at that guy. He's a pretty big guy, you know? And, uh, and then you look down here, and you're like, oh, he's not that really that big of a guy. The screen magnifies my image. So I look bigger on the screen. And that's what the devil tries to do sometimes. See, the devil is like this big. Okay? I've probably stepped on him a couple times just walking up here, you know? Uh, uh, I'm looking down here. And I can't see him, you know? And, and he puts himself on the big projector and, oh, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, look at me. I am going to take you out, boy. Uh, and, uh, and, and then it intimidates us for like, oh, man, oh, man, look at that. Look how big that guy is up there. He is going to crush us. And, uh, and um, I'm going to tell you the story. I was talking to one of my friends, and um, we were sitting in a room. And by after, after like a three-hour conversation, we are just sitting there. We're so bummed. We're just like, yeah. Yeah, I guess the problem is bigger than the both of us. And I'm just like, yeah, that big old bad devil. And I stopped in the middle of my sentence. And I, and I came to a realization. The Holy Ghost came up beside me. He's like, the devil's not even big. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're magnifying the problem. You know, you got that song, magnify the Lord with me. You know that song? Well, Christians are walking around today and they're singing, 
Magnify the problem with me. Let us exalt its name together. I guess it's just bigger than the both of us. Oh, that big old bad devil. And what we need to get is when we magnify the Lord in our worship, in this idea of 24-7 worship, all of a sudden, the problem seems smaller. And they get littler. When you take a magnifying glass up to something, which we definitely have to do with the devil. Like, if you take a magnifying glass up to the ant, you're trying to burn it in the sun, you know? We all used to do that when we were little kids. And and you're looking at it, you're like, whoa. And the ant's, like, this big. And you're like, hey, that's kind of scary, you know? But the ant is not actually that big, is the thing. And then you turn the magnifying glass around, you're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) It's just an ant, you know? And... (laughs) And the idea is... We, we see the problem. We see the cancer, the, you know, the terminal disease, or we see the, uh, the, the horrible drug addiction that we can't get by, and we're sitting there, oh, my gosh, you know, the problem is bigger than the both of us. And then you'll get a revelation. Something comes up in the inside of you, and you're like, but God is bigger than the problem. Let me ask you guys a question. Is God bigger than the terminal disease? And you're... Even if he said, even if the doctor says you're only going to live another three days, I'll tell you what. A couple days ago, I was at school and I went to the nurse. I was feeling dizzy, and the nurse said, "Hey, you're coming down with an ear infection, and it's just going to get worse from here." And uh, she let me sleep during eighth hour, and I said, "No, it's not. It's the end of this, actually, and I'm going to get better. And I and I received my healing, and I feel great this morning. And I didn't get an ear infection." I magnified the Lord. And as I magnified the Lord, the problems began to get smaller. And when, when, and then that's why he tells us in, in this verse to magnify the Lord. It'll help us in our lives because the problems will be smaller. Okay, um, let's turn to Proverbs 15.4. Let's see here. And it says in Proverbs 15:4, "The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit." Now, when that problem comes against you and it's telling you lies, oh, you're going to get sick. You know, does that crush your spirit? on the inside, and kind of discourages you, doesn't it? And that's what I'm saying here, but it's saying that the truth is a tree of life. So when you begin to get on this attitude of magnifying God, it like changes your whole atmosphere of your life. All of a sudden, you've gotten positive, you know the Lord's in control, and then your friend that was discouraged sitting next to you is like, hey, you're right, the Lord is in control. And it's like contagious, because it goes from one person to another, and to another, and to another. And when I thought about this, I thought of an old children's church video we used to watch called Bible Man. <laughs> Did you ever you remember Bible Man? Okay, so he's fighting the bad guy. He's got his little laser sword thing. And, you know, what I noticed is the fight is not just a physical fight. Because what happened is the enemy came at him, and he's saying, oh, I've got you now. I've got the upper hand here. 
What did Bible man do when that happened? He said, no. First John 4, 4 says, greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. The enemy is under my feet. And, and when, in his time of trouble, as he spoke those scriptures, it helped him and it built him up and it made the enemy seem smaller and he was able to defeat that enemy. So I would like to encourage you all to magnify the Lord and it will diminish your problems. All right, next up, I would like to introduce Miss Ramsey Vaughn. Hi. Whoa, that sounds cool. Okay. Everybody's done such a great job today, but they saved the best for last. Just kidding, just kidding. Everybody's done excellent today. They've done such a great job. Okay, um, I'm going to read my verse before, <laughs> before I give my title, because then it might kind of make sense. Um... I'm reading it out of the Amplified Bible, and it's Ephesians 6, 2 through 3, if you could turn there with me. It says, Honor, esteem, and value as precious your mother and your father. This is the first commandment with a promise that all may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Okay, my title for today is not just another infomercial. Because, you know, I'm sure a lot of us in here watch TV. Some of you don't watch TV. I know people that don't own TVs. But a lot of us have seen commercials. You know, some that are funny, some that are sad and boring. But the most common type of commercial that you see between every other commercial is, buy this book and you will prosper. Buy this CD set that's like $400. You know, and you might kind of try to have a good life, maybe. And then, you know, they're telling you all this stuff, buy this pill and it'll make you happier, you know, and do all this stuff. And it says here in this verse that this is the first commandment with a promise that all may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So God is promising it in his word. You don't need to buy pills or DVDs or CDs or books or anything, you know, to help you out because we have a book right here. It's a pretty good book. If you haven't read it, I suggest it. It's, it's very helpful, and it doesn't cost you as much as other books that don't even help. And so, you know, I just think this verse is really cool. Um, I first read it in youth, and I was thinking, honor your father and mother. Okay, you know, we've all pretty much heard this verse a lot of times. And so I was thinking, this means obey your parents. And then I, was, I read it in the Amplified where it says, Honor, esteem, and value is precious. And then I thought about it, and I was like, okay, well, obeying your parents is a way to show honor, but I feel like there's something in there that's more than just your obedience to your parents. Like, I mean, I'm not saying don't not obey your parents, because I want you to obey your parents, but there's more to honor than just, you know... Being like, yeah, I'll do that, whatever. Like Danny taking out the trash. He's like, sure, I'll run and run out and get it done over with very fast. But um, I looked up precious, and it says, having great worth or, or value cherished. 
and to be dearly loved. So I was thinking, I was like, okay, well, this is a lot more than obedience, a lot more. And I was like, you know, having great worth or value. Okay, can everybody um, close their eyes with me, please? I'm not going to close my eyes because I'm talking and I have to read some stuff. But if you can close your eyes, I want you to think of your most valuable possessions. Think of like three of them. Think of your most, like your coolest car or your prettiest necklace or, you know, something really cool. Okay, now everybody open your eyes. And I want you to be honest with me. Um, Can anybody raise their hand and tell me that they said that their parents were one of the most valuable things? Hey, I got some kids in here. They're pretty smart kids. They're growing up, man. Old people today are like, we have such a bad generation. They're so terrible. But I think we're good because we in this church, we are growing up. I am so blessed. We are so blessed to have kids that honor their parents. I babysit some wonderful kids from here, and they say, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, and they obey. And it's not just obeying, but they show love to them. And I just want you guys to think about putting your parents as a top priority. You may not live with them. They may not be there for you. You may, you know, not like them all the time or like what they have to say, but that's funny. Uh, I love you. Uh, But honor is having high regard or great respect given, received or enjoyed. So it's not just something, you know, being like, Ramsey, do your laundry. And me being like, oh, you're my parent, and this verse says that I have to honor you, so I'm going to go do it, but I'm not going to like it. And, like, whenever you say it, like, well, you don't have to say it. You can show it by, you know, being like, I hate laundry. Just saying, like, a rude comment, and you can that's how you show that you're, like, being dishonorable. And when you do that to your parents, do they have a smile on their face when you're saying something like that? Are they like, oh, okay, great. I'm glad that you're so excited, you know. I, I don't, my parents don't do that. They're not like, I'm glad that you hate doing laundry. Like, it's not something that they enjoy. And it says, honor, high regard, or great respect given, received, or enjoyed. So if you're doing something, if you say something to your parents, or you're doing something for them, and they're not enjoying it, it's not a part of honor. You can be in obedience. You can be walking in obedience and still not be honoring your parents because you're not doing anything for them. Like you could, okay, I use this example and you, laundry example. I really don't like laundry. I, I don't. But I do like it because it makes my parents happy. Um, <laughs> that's the attitude we should have. I think it's a really cool attitude to have, you know, if we all did that. But um, I was using this example and um, God is our Heavenly Father, obviously. And it says, honor thy father and mother. And I think this applies to him because he's one of our fathers. Not our earthly father, but he's our Heavenly Father. And I use this example in youth. Um, so my mom says, hey, Ramsey, you want to do the laundry? I'm like, hey, no. And, um, okay, I've never said it like that, but... Some people say it like that, and I just have that attitude, like, inside me. I'm just like, no laundry. I hate laundry. And then if you think about it, you know, um, (laughs) what if God was like, hey, Ramsey, would you enjoy doing your family's laundry? And I did this in youth. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if he was standing right there, I'd be like, 
on my knees be like, yeah, laundry, I love to do laundry. And it's so funny because, like, if we treat God, like, if we make him a top priority and he's our heavenly father, we should be able to make our earthly father and mother a top priority in our lives, you know, and make them enjoy our presence and not be like, oh, my kid doesn't like doing anything that I say. And so, like, this is a really good way, you know, that you can live long on the earth. And um, Malachi 3, 6 in the New King James Version says, For I am the Lord, and I do not change. And it says that this is a promise. It's promised to you. It's your reward for honoring your parents. So, like, any way that you're showing honor to your parents, your reward is a long life. And if you have, like, previously been, like, you know, not doing the laundry, ooh, laundry, then, you know, you need to repent and say, I'm going to do something that they're going to enjoy. I'm going to make them happy. You know why? Because I love them. And it says right here, to honor, esteem, and value is precious. When I think of esteem, I think of, like, being high, like, lifting up them. And so, like, they should be over anything that you want to do. I don't want to do laundry. But they're more important than what I'm thinking at the moment, you know? And, like, even if you don't live with your parents, like, you moved out or whatever, and they're like, hey, you want to come mow my grass? You could be like, do I want to? Hmm, let's think about this. Not really. But even though you're not subject to obey them because you're your own adult and you can you make your own rules in your house, you should take the time to honor them because this rule still applies. Honor still applies to your life, whether, you know, you don't enjoy your parents or you don't live with your parents. It still, you know, applies to everyone in everybody's life. And I just think, you know, that we, if they can honor us, you know, and help us out, I think we should be able to do the same thing for them. Jonathan's going to take it away. Yeah. Oh, this is a great service, wasn't it? Yes. Did you guys learn anything? Yes. All right, that's good. You guys can be seated for a second. Oh, if I can have you guys, everybody bow your head and close your eyes. If anybody here has not ever received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I would like for you to signify this by raising your hand today. Or maybe you have received Jesus as your Savior, but you've fallen away from Him. You haven't, you, and you want to come back. Like you've, you've run away from Him, but He's always there for you, and you want to come back to Him today. Please signify that by raising your hand. Or maybe you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost today. You want to be able to speak in tongues. If you want to do that, signify it by raising your hand. If those people that raise their hands, I want you to do one more thing for me. If you could, please stand up and come to the front. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Please stand, please. Guys, made a good decision today. Please repeat this after me. Lord, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he raised again. He was raised again. I believe that he took my sins upon him. And I thank you for making me a new creature in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for being there for me always. All right, yes, that's it. That's all you have to do. And now we're going to have Courtney and Connor, those three two right here. You guys are going to follow them right back there, and they're going to have any questions for you to be answered. Thank you, Lord. Mr. Adam. Thank you, Jonathan. All right. Um, you guys can be seated for just a minute. Um, wow, this is great. This is great. And um, I just, you know, <laughs> we got like the paparazzi out here. We got the camera. <laughs> um, I just, I just want to say, you know, this is just an honor and a blessing you know, thank you so much for letting us, you know, just have the service today. Thank you so much for that. And, um, and yeah. <laughs> thank you. Now, um, of course, you know, we have the youth group over here in the, in the activity center. And we're believing for the youth building, of course, you know, youth building. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Now, um, if you have not been to youth and you're 13 years old and under 18 and not graduated, uh, please, please, please come. We, you know, it's more than anything, it's, it's just something that propels you into the future of your life, your ministry, you know, this ministry, you know, this right here, really, the, all, all of the, the youth that preached tonight, you know, did a great job, and it's, it's going to push them into God, into their future, and into this, getting getting the word out there, what the Bible says, you know, get preach the word and get it out there. And that's what they're doing. So, you know, and all, all of you out there, you know, the ones that, you know, are not here, maybe you're out of state, maybe you're over across seas or in a different country somewhere, find a youth group, okay? Seriously. It's going to help you bound, like, I can't even describe it. A lot. It's helped me so much, you know, in my walk with God. It's gotten me straight. It's gotten, you know, just everything. It's so great. And uh, tw- uh, 12-year-olds, if you're here, stand up real quick. All right. Great. They're kind of spread out all over the place. That's great. You guys, you know, as soon as you turn 13, come to youth. 
come to youth. That's great. Yeah. Yep. That's great. Okay, you guys can sit down. Okay. Now, uh, I'd like to give the, the pulpit or the, the floor back over to the Moors. Hallelujah. We got two. Let me get this podium for us. Glory. I am almost speechless. What about you guys? I've been telling y'all for a while they could preach. Now, do you believe me? I mean, like I said, Keith and and, uh, these guys did um, at school, at Bible Training Center, they would have the students come up and teach. And they would give them a year. They'd know for, well, actually almost longer than a year to preach. And they'd know it. And I honestly, how many of you have seen that happen? And, you know, I don't think that they did any better than these guys did. And uh, these guys found out last night what they were preaching on today. And so uh, they did exceptionally well. And the thing that... I want to let you know is if they didn't preach, it wasn't because they weren't as good as the guys that were up here. But you saw how many that we had come up. And uh, every one of them that preached were just that good. And they did exceptionally well. We just could not have everybody in the... You saw how many youth there were up there and down here. They were all just that good. But... You just can't have every one of them preach. So some of the older ones got to go this time. We had from 14 to 18 preach today. But, you know, through the time, maybe we'll get to get some more of them. So we just put some different criteria so that maybe we could choose some way. But they all did exceptionally well doing what they did. Don't you think so? Um, Tremendous today. How many are so pleased with our youth and... And so blessed by, guys, great job, everybody, singing, playing, speaking, every part, outstanding. Um, I don't know if you know it or not, if you've never done this or not, but it's asking a lot for somebody to stand up in a setting like this and look out at all these people and these lights in your eyes and not lose your train of thought. And uh, like Phyllis was saying, when I was teaching at Bible school, uh, the guys that would have an opportunity to speak for like 12 minutes before they graduated, they had it as part of their uh, instruction and education. And uh, I know one time I had a guy, he got up and he just looked around. He said, man, this is hard. And then he looked down and he said, man, this is really hard. And uh, he, he just wasn't able to do anything, and he's, he's a grown man, I guess, in his 30s. And, and uh, he uh, I was evaluating him. Of course, he didn't do very good, and, and he said he didn't even have, have prepare because he said, I see you guys get up every day and just talk, talk, talk. He said, looked easy to me. Well, he found out it was different. And uh, so if you haven't done it, then... I, how many think there's a lot of adults in here would not want to do that? <laughs> That's the answer. Yeah, not me. People were throwing up their hands. Um, but this is outstanding. The Lord has uh, dealt with Phyllis to lead in the youth and gave her direction concerning the preach-off that they've had. 
and they all preached for months, and that's what got us to this place. I was thinking, uh, oh, what, 20 years ago, Phyllis and I spoke in some of the institutional Church of God in Christ conventions, and uh, we were the only light-complected folks there. And uh, one thing I, I remark, I noticed about the conventions, everybody there seemed like sang and played. Every, little, little guys, teenagers, everybody could play all the instruments, everybody could sing. And somebody told me, said, well, you know, yeah, black folks can do that. Well, that's a racist statement, and it's a wrong statement. The reason everybody could play and sing in those circles is because they did it from the time they were big enough to understand anything. And then everybody was able to rotate, and we're, we're, we're incorporating some of that in our church. Our little ones are learning things like that, too. But how many understand it's not only important to learn how to sing and play, it's important to be a witness. It's important to have the Word in you. It's important to be able to be bold and stand up and say what you believe and know who you are. And if you can't do it in a setting where everybody believes in you, then you're not going to do it out in the world where it's uncomfortable and people don't believe in you. And so our youth, uh, well, let me, let me say this. So many people today are making a mistake by not expecting enough out of their children. And out of their youth. Children don't want to be treated like children. They want to be treated like young adults. Young adults don't want to be treated like youth. They want to be treated like adults. And that's where they're headed. Right? And uh, our young people, these youth, they teach our children. So they're already doing it. They're already giving it out. They're already ministering it. And then they're able to minister to each other. And what do you think about these guys at school or on the job? You think they'll freeze up if somebody challenges their faith? They'll stand right up and look them in the eye and tell them what they know. And people are making mistakes by waiting until some... uh, uh, A person is 16, 17, 18, they're about to leave home, and now you're supposed to be a man, now you're supposed to be a woman. No, it starts right here, doesn't it? The the children stepping up and, and doing things, and the youth stepping up and doing things. And how many understand, if the Lord tarries is coming just a little while, you and I will all be in heaven, and they'll be the ones, right? leading and doing things in the kingdom of God, and they don't need to wait till they're already, you know, uh, 18, 19, and it's going to flip a switch and it's all going to happen. No, it starts at the earliest stages. Somebody say, thank God. Thank God for our young people. Stand up on your feet. Did you have something else you want to say, Phil? Let's pray over... Our, our children and our youth, and let's believe God to go from this where we are here to higher places. Father God, we thank you so much for every child that you've given us in, in this faith life family. Every young person, every youth that you've given us, how precious they are. Precious gifts from you. Gifts from you to us, gifts from you to your 
church to the world. And Lord, we all pray. We're standing up here as as leaders and as uh, pastors and as parents and elders. Show us how to lead our children and youth. Show us how to teach and train our children and youth so that they come up to higher places and they become very, very strong. Make them strong, Lord, for yourself, for your purposes. Help them to be free from insecurities, free from fears, free from sin, free from weaknesses. And get glory to yourself in them. And Lord, we thank you that they are rising up. Great is their peace and great is their strength. And they're going from glory to glory in you. In Jesus' holy name. Thank you, you, Father. I think we ought to thank God some more for what he has done in our children. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all our children's workers. Thank you for the youth ministers and every part. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We we don't minimize it. We don't take it for granted. You have done great things in our children's lives. You've done great things in the lives of our young people. We say, get glory to yourself. Be glorified. We honor you. We glorify you. In Jesus' holy name. Oh, so praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Makes me want to talk in tongues. Glory to God. Let's just praise Him a little bit more. Father, we worship you. Oh, we're so thankful. Oh, we're so thankful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glory, glory, glory. Oh, hallelujah. Well, we want to say again how pleased we are. You know, all the youth Phyllis mentioned that you didn't get to hear uh, were just outstanding uh, in their stand for the Lord, in their speaking. And uh, how many of the adults would say with me uh, to the young people, we're so pleased with you. We're so blessed by you. You honor the Lord. You honor us. We are so blessed. And so pleased with you. Amen. And I wanted to thank, I don't know where they are, Kevin and Susan. They have worked tirelessly helping me put this thing together. Uh, yeah, y'all come out here. They, yeah. Good, excellent job. Yeah. They're my right hands with the youth, so they've done an excellent job. The youth love them a lot, too. So, good job. Yeah.